Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Just flip over to Philippians. Yeah. I learned that in children's church. We watched this other show. It was called uh, Roaming Through Romans. Yeah, it was fun. Kay liked it. but uh, <laughs> Little play on words. I never do that. Just ask my daughter-in-law, Alyssa. Um, Philippians chapter 4. Today I want to wrap up this series that we've been doing. How many enjoyed Jake last week? Wasn't that awesome? Just, uh, I just love having that perspective. I was talking to Pete about you know, the importance of that. You know, I love when Pete shares, and, and um, I absolutely love when I share. And <laughs> I love sharing, let me put it that way. But um, I love when Jake shares and Jamie shares. You just get these different flavors and perspectives. I like that more, perspectives and, and tones and just different ways that we see things. And it's just a beautiful way. I mean, that's what the body of Christ is all about. It's, it's supposed to be unified, isn't it? And so that was awesome last week, just spending some time with Jake and then have him minister to us. But today I want to wrap up the series, which he kind of went right along with, which was cool, entitled Doctrine Matters. Say, Doctrine Matters. And even though we're wrapping this up, I still think that it's really important that we have this understanding that according to Jesus and even the apostles, they were really adamant about what we believe That's why Jesus spoke what he spoke. That's why the apostles wrote what they wrote, because they were really adamant about the importance of what we believe. And the apostle Paul, he really exhorts us to mature in our beliefs. That means we grow up, right? And growing up, up, sometimes part of that is growing out. Can I get one amen this morning? It's growing outside of maybe something that you were handed. Not that that thing was bad. But we get to move on. It's a journey of moving on. And if you find yourself believing exactly the same way you do did on every single jot and tittle of theology as 10 years ago, I think there's a problem because we're not growing. Now, I, I usually, I probably say this too much to really see that you understand my heart is that, yes, there are definite pillars of faith. Jesus Christ is the center of all. We believe that he was born the incarnation God in flesh. We, we believe that he lived a sinless life, that he you know, was crucified, that he was put into a grave, and that he rose again. That's how we get new life. Amen? But there's so many little doctrinal issues sometimes that we make such a big deal. But I think at times in our own life, say my own life, we need to come to those moments where it becomes a big deal. In that, am I changing my perspective? Is it lining up with where Holy Spirit is bringing me as I walk this journey of life? And so Paul talks about this. He says, be mature in your beliefs. Don't be carried away by every wind of doctrine. But that doesn't mean you can't be carried away by a certain wind of doctrine. If you, if you hear something, you're like, wow, what is that about? Listen to it. Ask Holy Spirit. Study it out. I think that's important. But at the same time, he says, don't be tricked by men or deceitful schemes. And so there is a way that we can test the spirit and we can see through things. But by the end of this, I'm hoping that we're not afraid to move up and move on at times when Holy Spirit is wooing us to do so. So today I really, uh, I want to take some time and, and, and talk about this idea 
of of polarization. Say that three times fast. Polarization. The title of the message is this, Navigating Polarizing Waters. Navigating Polarizing Waters. I, I really believe that our doctrine, our beliefs, our theology, they dictate our view of the world and of others. And this is really, really important to followers of Jesus, especially, I believe, in our current climate. A current climate of dissension, unrest, unwillingness to hear the other, unforgiveness. And let's be honest, hatred for anyone that's different. I didn't bring any charts this morning, but just if you were to just take politics, for instance, I saw this this graph of 1994. You know, imagine this is the graph here, and they showed the two sides were somewhere in here. I don't know if you can see it on camera. This is the outside. This is the middle. They were right about here. And then it slowly started doing this to here. Do you feel that? Do you sense that? (laughs) You feel that in your own life? Like there's key words and phrases that come up and you find yourself getting agitated? Yeah. And we think because we're right, because we're always right, right? I'm not saying right or left. I'm just saying we're always right. I mean, you wouldn't believe what you believe if you didn't think you were right. But the other person thinks they're right. What do we do in those situations? <laughs> this is a great one to end it up on, this, this series it is. Come back next week. It'll be love and grace and God's goodness. But this week will be too. I believe by the time we get to the end of this, I hope together we can go, wow, there's something about the middle of the road. And when I say that, I mean coming together and saying there's something more than than political systems and religious systems. It's called the kingdom of God. And when we can come together in this place with this sense of unity, we can actually hear the other. And suddenly they're not the other anymore. There's no more us and them. And so this is an important thing we need to get navigated. And it's not even easy for me. I, I mean, at least three times I said, Holy Spirit, are you sure? Do I have to? <laughs> and he said, you don't have to. He said, but I, but I want you to. I said, okay, well, let's just talk about this. Because above everything, I really want us to have peace. Jesus came to provide us peace, folks. And so many times we have our peace disrupted by so many different things because of this current climate. And I'm simply trying to expound on what it looks like to live out a kingdom life, what it looks like to live out the peace that Jesus has called us to. And let me start by saying this. If I come off a little punchy today or if I seem frustrated or irritated, it's not with you. Facebook, hear me, it's not with you. It's with the systems of this world that I find my brothers and sisters in Christ falling into. Do you follow me? And I see this lack of peace and I see this dissension and I see these issues and I'm like, this isn't how the kingdom should be. And so that's really what my heart is today. So know that my heart is for you. It's not against you. But I want to look here in Philippians chapter four, really, really famous scripture. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you know the scripture, but, but listen to what Paul says here to the Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Now stop there for a minute. He says, do not be what? 
anxious. What does anxious mean? The dictionary says this, experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. How many of you felt that lately? He says, do not be anxious about what? Anything gets better. But in what? Every situation. Now, how many are familiar with the word every? Just in case you're not really familiar with the English language, because I've heard myself speak sometimes, the word every means this. All the individual members of a set without exception. Now, think about this. He's very specific. He says, do not be anxious. Don't worry. Don't speculate what could, should, maybe, I'm not sure about anything, but in every situation without exception, what are we to do as followers of Jesus? Present, he says this, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, do what? Present your requests to who? Present your request to Facebook. What about Twitter? What about Uncle Jojo? What about, good one. What about Granny? Because everyone loves Granny. What, what did Paul say? Present your request to God, your Father. <laughs> See, what would happen if when we feel these feelings when we take issue or offense with what someone has said or done, theologically, politically, at the workplace, at home, in personal relationships, what if the very first person we go to was our Father God? What would we post after spending some time with Father God? How would we respond, listen to me, how would we respond? How would we react? I'm, I'm preaching to myself, Andrew Scott Baransic, this morning. How would you respond to others if you first and foremost presented your requests to God, presented your issues to God, the, anxi- the anxiety, the nervousness, the things that are coming your way, when those happen, what if the first place you went was Heavenly Father? Now, I think already in our mind, we're thinking, wow, I'd probably post something different. I'd say something different. I'd, right? But look what Paul goes on to say. When we do this, what happens? Verse 7, and the peace of God, say peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Have you ever experienced that peace that transcends all understanding? Like in your head, you're like, I shouldn't have peace right now, but I do. When does it happen? When we go to God first. When we go to our Father first. Are you following me this morning? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, this is beautiful, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here in the NIV, it says guard. If you were to look at the, say, the King James Version, it would say shall keep. But this word is really cool. Because in the first century, when Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians, he had this idea in mind when he used this word guard in the Greek. And what it, what it 
symbolized was it was just like the sentry guard that, that secures a city. See, I don't know if you know this, but most of the cities were surrounded by walls. And then at the gates of these cities were not just judges in some cases, but also guards. But there are also guards on top of the wall. And, and the job of this guard was to watch out in advance for the first signs of any possible threat. This was their job, so they could sound the alarm and say, there's a possible threat. There's something coming this way. The Apostle Paul is saying to us that the peace of God is like these sentry guards. They watch out for any possible threat to your heart's deepest feelings and the tranquility of your thoughts. You ever got so caught up in your thoughts? I have, I'll be honest with you. There's times where I'm just like, my thoughts are just getting at me. And it's not because, you know, always because of financial crisis or something else. It could just because, be because of how someone else believes theologically or how they see something politically. And it just grinds at me. And it's like I could lay there and, and it, just, it just plays with my thoughts. There's no tranquility. There's no peace. And what he's saying is, it's in this place that all that, your heart and your thoughts are fully guarded in this peace. Isn't that awesome? But do you see what we have to do in order to receive? What, but which, receive which, I should say this, the thing that's already there, right? We have to awaken to it, but that happens by putting God as the first person that we discuss issues with. And the thing about this peace is it's not just the normal earthly peace, at least to me. It's not measured by external circumstances. It's residing deeply in the innermost parts of your being. This is what Jesus has placed there. So we're not talking about this fragile sense of peace that can easily be disturbed. One that maybe even we have to try and fabricate ourselves. I'm trying to get in peace, I'm trying to get in peace. But this is God's peace, the peace that God himself enjoys. And guess what? Jesus is the prince of peace. Ultimate. Isn't that cool? But do you notice here that it's not until we first bring our issues and our grievances and our offenses to the Father that we access this peace that transcends all understanding? I'll be honest. I've been one who in a lot of times... I choose to go to someone else or to some other outlet before I go to my father. And usually, a lot of times, I regret what I say and what I do and how I react. But Paul's saying, listen. And he's talking, obviously, he didn't write this to me. It's to the Philippians, right? You guys flipped over to Philippians. There's a reason. In the first century, he wrote a letter to this church. But obviously, this is for us because it can apply to us here now today. Amen? And the thing is, it's not like God's holding out on us. Like, well, if I don't go to him, he's going to hold out. No, it's going to him that I believe re-centers you, refocuses you to a place where you see the peace that's already there. It's, it's actually essentially us becoming more aware of his peace. And then we step into that peace. Has anyone here ever played the telephone game? Yeah. Yep, you played that before? If we have any old school youth group going Christians, you played this game where you guys sit in a circle and then the first person, he leans over and he, he makes a statement to the person next to him. And then the next person leans over. And, of course, they whisper in their ear because you don't want to hear it, what that statement is. And by the time it gets to the end, the very last person, what usually happens? 
That's one thing that can happen, definitely. What else can happen, though? Usually, it's a little bit distorted. Something's changed from the original statement, right? We've, we've all been there. We've played this game. But see, now we have this new game, say new game, especially with you know, having access to social media. And the name of the game is this. The how much misinformation can we feed an individual to further polarize a nation in the world game. Really, really easy name to remember. Ready? Say it with me. The how much misinformation can we feed an individual to further polarize a nation in the world game. It's a game. Yeah, you, ever, you ever read something on social media? Of course you have. You ever read something on social media and you think, how can they even think like that? I mean, are they not seeing the news that I see? They're not. <laughs> because the system is programmed to feed people what they want to hear. Literally, people have programmed it to follow you and you're scrolling and you're clicking so they can tell you exactly what you want to hear and what you believe, whether it's true or not. And it's on both the right and the left. (laughs) Can you see? What, What I want to happen today is I want us to come to this place where you start to see, wait a minute, wait a minute. So really, the, the only thing that I should be putting my trust in is Jesus. Is the kingdom. I'm not saying you can't vote and you can have different theological ideas. I mean, we're all on a journey. I get that. But there's this place of unity where there isn't dissension. There aren't walls. There aren't borders. There, there aren't us and them. There's, there's not all these issues. It's a place where we come together and we even can agree to disagree on things. But I want us to, to, to not buy into the lie The reason most of us think we're right is because we're fed information that tells us exactly what we want to hear. People love to hear good news about bad habits. (laughs) You still love me? Listen, I'm preaching to myself. I've had to go through this detoxifying process for years now in my life. And I'm telling you, such freedom on the other side, man. Such freedom to not get caught up into that. I'm done playing this game. Of course, I'm being a little bit facetious, but there is an enemy who's working tirelessly to bring division and dissension. And I'm not talking about some guy in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. Sure, we can refer to this or call it the devil or Satan or technically, according to scripture, the Satan, the Satan in Hebrew in the Greek scriptures. When we look at this, you know what it literally means, the definitions of devil and the Satan? It means adversary. Accuser, slanderer. Think about that. Adversary, accuser, slanderer. Anytime this happens, which by the way happens a lot in social media, if you haven't noticed, that's the devil. That's the Satan. In fact, we could take it a step further. People are afraid of the Antichrist because they think some guy's going to rise up and put 666 on your head. Well, we're not going to get into eschatology, but I could bring you a lot of peace if we sat down and talked about it. But the bottom line is this. The Apostle Paul said that the spirit of Antichrist was there at that time. Antichrist simply means against Christ. It doesn't have to be some supernatural weird thing. It's any system 
that is adversarial, that's accusatory, and that's slandering. That's antichrist. And I see brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus who love God, posting things full of accusation and slander. And they're adversarial against their own brothers and sisters. And I really have an issue with this. But what if we do like Paul said, and before we react, before the knee-jerk reaction, we say, Heavenly Father, I've got to talk to you about some stuff. Just a question. Even if you disagree with me, let me ask you this. How many could at least agree with me that the current climate of the world can bring anxiety, fear, and worry? Right? Which, of course, we know leads to anger, division, labeling, and polarization. There's that word again. Paul says, don't be anxious, but bring any issue you have to the Father first and foremost. I want us to see this this morning. Look at this in the mirror translation. It says, and in this place of worship and gratitude, you will witness how the peace of God within you, say within me, say it's already there. I have to become aware. Say that with me. I have to become aware. I have to let it out. But look at how he uses the words in this translation. He says, and in this place of worship and gratitude, you will witness how the peace of God within you, I love this word, echoes the awareness of your oneness in Christ Jesus. Now, this word echoes is so cool. I thought, I like how that sounds, but here I am, Mr. Study Guy, right? What is echoes by definition? Look at this. It's a sound or series of sounds caused by the, I want you to hear this, reflection of sound waves from a surface back to the listener. So literally what happens when we come to the Father first, we present this first, is, is the, the full manifestation of peace, which then echoes back, reflects back to us, what does he say here? The awareness of your oneness in Christ Jesus, look at this, beyond the reach of any thought that could possibly unsettle you. What a promise. Have you ever felt unsettled in these unsettling times? Have you ever felt lack of peace? Paul is giving us a promise here. He's saying, with, with all those thoughts you're having and the issues and the offenses and the things that are completely against the grain of what you believe and think, he's saying, when this happens, go to your father first. Present this to him because guess what? When that peace of God manifests itself to you, it's already there, but you become aware and you see it, it will literally reflect back your oneness in Christ beyond the reach of any thought that could possibly unsettle you. You can't be unsettled. And I can say, with all complete truth, it's very rare anymore that I get unsettled. 
And it's not because I'm so amazing. It's because I'm looking at what the apostle Paul has said. I'm looking at what Jesus has said and done. I'm listening to Holy Spirit, his voice and going, you know, I'm going to go your way because my flesh wants to go another way right now, but, but, but I'm going to choose to go your way. And it's very rare that I become unsettled on issues of theology and politics. I just don't. It doesn't get under my skin. It doesn't bother me. I just see people with different views who were indoctrinated in different ways, right, left, center, right, center, left, center, whatever it is in, in life, and even theology, because, you know, now they've, they put right and left and liberal and conservative and progressive labels on theology now. We, we put all these labels on people now so that we can say, well, they're not part of our group. You almost are. You're getting close, but this is the group to be in. And it's like, what are we doing? Jesus never labeled people and put people in groups. Do you know that the Pharisees and religious leaders were even invited to his, his group? They just choose to re- chose to reject. He would call out religion that was hurting people. But he had Pharisees and religious leaders who followed him. That means that he was welcoming. Half the time when he's speaking to them, he's like, guys, can you just see what's right in front of you? You read the scriptures trying to find true life and I'm standing right here in front of you and I'm offering you true life and you don't even see it. It's the same here today. Jesus is saying, I'm standing right here. You're looking for true life in a man or a woman, in a politician or a preacher or money or things, but true life is right here. Receive me freely. But it's so easy to sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then we go jump in our little group and we start posting and railing against the other side. Because if this person gets in, the world is over. I was just discussing this with a friend the other day. I said, this is crazy. As early as I can remember, I think it was back in like the late 70s, early 80s, an actual president and kind of what that meant as a child and people voting, I couldn't vote yet. I said, you know, back and forth through the process, I think I've sat under three Democratic administrations and three Republican. And I'm still here. I'm still loving Jesus more than I ever have. I'm loving people more than I ever have because I'm realizing that's what Jesus is all about. And I think a lot of times, listen, I'm not coming against anyone's politics or theology. I just want us to really begin to think and hear the voice of spirit in these times because we think it's all going to be over and end. And both sides say that if their guy doesn't make it, it's over now. But it's not. You're still here. And people say, well, they're going to take our guns away and they're going to do this. And they do. I mean, what if, what if they took all your guns and your rights away? What would you do? I'm just asking a question. What, 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 as a follower of you, what would you, would you still love Jesus and love people and preach the gospel? Because brothers and sisters all around the world are doing it with no rights and no guns. I'm not against rights and guns, not saying that. Don't pigeonhole me. I'm just saying sometimes as followers of Jesus, we get so caught up in fighting for things out here 
but then we forget the humanity of the people on the other side out there. I feel good because my wife's into it right now. Listen, these are things I've had to wrestle with and grapple with. I'm not saying anything that I haven't gone through and haven't had to grow through, and especially when it comes to anything that deals with politics and empire or religion and things like that and theology. I'm not preaching to you because I've arrived. I'm, I'm saying these things because I care for you. I care for your soul. I want you to find rest for your soul and know this, that, listen, these apostles, man, this is crazy to me. In the first century, believers of Jesus were being fed to lions in Colosseums. Has anyone experienced that lately? We just got a couple kittens. I got bit a couple times, but I don't think it compares, right? Aiden got scratched this morning. He's darn near a martyr, but it's not fun, is it, buddy? <laughs> but, but my point is this, is the apostles and the early Christians were, were being crucified and killed, and we have brothers and sisters still who are, and, and fed to the lions. But the one thing that, that people couldn't get over when this would happen is there's actually history, they would say, that these Christians would be put into these Colosseums and they would join hands and they would sing songs of praise to God. They were in complete peace. When they would be crucified or, like I said, fed the lions or beaten, they would look at those who were pressing them and they would say, I forgive you. God loves you. Can you imagine? But for us, someone says something that goes against the grain of a political belief or a theological belief. Oh, dear Jesus. There's no love. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness. You still love me? This goes for all sides. What would happen if we lived in a world that those who profess to follow Jesus actually looked, acted, smelled, sounded, tasted like Jesus? Man, that's what's going to change the world. It's not systems of the world. It's the kingdom. And what peace are we talking about? This peace in the Greek means security, safety. It even means prosperity, success, the good life. It means felicity, which we know felicity means intense happiness. If you're not experiencing these things, guess what you can even in the midst of these circumstances. It's a peace that is brought by God. And think about this. It's a peace that we then get to bring to this world. Because the fruit is meant to be enjoyed by those outside of us, not just us, right? Can you see how important this understanding of peace is to the world and those around us? I hope we're seeing that this morning. So here's the question when it comes to learning to navigate these polarizing waters. How do we live at peace in a world of hostile political views and hard-nosed religion? And let, let me just add to this that this isn't any different than what Jesus had to deal with. I mean, he basically railed against these two systems, not the individual people, but the systems themselves, and said there's something wrong within these systems and then they crucified him for it. 
This is when politics and religion came together. (laughs) It's interesting to read the story there of the crucifixion and you have King Herod, the king of the Jews, who, by the way, was a fraud. He wasn't even supposed to have the throne, but he did. The king of the Jews, the Herodians, this lineage. And then you had Pilate, who was part of Rome. Couldn't stand each other. But in and through the crucifixion, they became good friends. Pretty interesting, isn't it? I'm telling you, man, these two systems, the world and the religion, they will get under your skin. And let me just say this. Many years ago for myself, I think of the dumb Facebook posts or the things that I would say because I was so wrapped up in my own political worldview or my tight box of theology. And you know what it brought me? It brought me stress and anger. It didn't bring me peace. Now listen, we cannot be happy about a decision. I'm not saying we just go around like nothing's happening. But when we're in peace, we'll react differently to what's happening. Does that make sense? This is what I'm talking about. Listen, we need to call out social injustice, but there's ways to do it. I think of the the amazing Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, this man understood the injustice and he spent his whole life to fight against it. But man, I, there's no one else in history when it comes to social justice movement that I know who looked more like Jesus than this man. Because he would tell him, nope, not eye for an eye. We're not gonna, we're not gonna lash back. We're gonna do it in peace. And you know what? I believe there were so many more strides in his era because of the way he did it. Same thing with Christianity. We think if we just cram this down someone's throat and we're, we're just vehement about it, then, then they're going to accept it. No. How did, Jesus, how did Jesus win people over? The kindness and the love of God is what draws us to repentance. Even in politics, instead of pushing all our views, sitting down, hearing the other side, why is it you feel that way? Having discussions and then you're like, wow, I'm seeing a world I never saw before because I was blinded. There was a veil to some things and allowing Holy Spirit to speak through you. Even if you don't agree with everything, you see the human behind the idea. It's crazy, man. And I'm telling you, in my own life, is there's such a freedom that I can see someone from the, the Democratic Party or Republican Party, and I don't agree with either side half the time. I'm like, what is going on right now? But I'm able to see the human in them and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for them. Not that they see things the way I want them to see it, but that they open their eyes to the kingdom and to God, however that is. See, it's allowed me to open myself up and actually see the good things that someone maybe I didn't vote for has done. And even disagreeing with the other things I don't. Does this make sense? And there's freedom in this because I'm not so caught up that my whole life depends on it. My life is secure in Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have, no, I have no fear of dying. I want to stick around for a while, but I have no fear of dying. Listen, when I pass on to the next heaven, the next, however that looks, I know it's going to be probably nothing like I think, but I do believe it's going to be beautiful when, I, when I'm in the very presence of love itself. But until then, I want to allow that love to permeate me to the point where it's moving through me to those around me. Does this make sense? 
And this is tough sometimes as a pastor to step out because I'm not taking any sides except for the side of Jesus. But people hear things and they're automatically pigeonholing me. Please don't do that. I love Jesus. I will follow Jesus before a political party or a man. I will follow Jesus before a theology. Does it line up with who Jesus is? That's the question I always ask myself. And what I found is even on, if you go to vote, you're not going to find Jesus anywhere on there. You'll find bits and pieces, and that's about it. Amen? But man, it just brought stress and anger. I didn't have any peace, and I know that there's many people, maybe even here today, that remember that, Andy. So thank you for your grace and your love toward me through those times and kind of let me, I guess, live that journey and grow in that journey. So here's the question. What do we do when encountering either one of these groups of people? Two things. Number one, withdraw from the situation. It's a hard one to do, isn't it? The temptation will, I'll say usually, not always. We shouldn't say always and never, right? But the temptation many times will be to respond in the flesh, in anger, in malice, in revenge. But doing so will only lead to more trouble. And I know that we've all experienced this. A wiser response may be to withdraw like Jesus did or walk away like the Apostle Paul did. Listen, don't be drawn into the debate. Chances are, I'm just telling you straight out, guys, chances are that you're never going to change someone's mind on social media. It's just not going to happen. I know your intention is probably, I'm going to change their mind, I'm going to change it, I'm going to change the world. You're just making people more angry most of the time because they're not going to listen to you. They don't know your heart. They don't have a relationship with you. That's why, for me, social media has, has put us in this place where we don't even know how to have real relationships anymore and sit down and talk. It's in those spaces that we begin to understand a person's heart and their care for us. And again, even talking to, you know, face-to-face to people, it's not always going to change their mind, especially if there's no peace present. But look at this, this response that Jesus has in Mark chapter 3. It says, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians, there we are, how they might do what? Kill Jesus. Jesus was aware of this. What did Jesus do? Did he grab some Uzis and go in and blow them down? (laughs) No. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. (laughs) Wait a minute, Jesus. These people are going to kill you. You I'm the Messiah. You can't do it. No, he just withdrew to the lake. In fact, the message Bible says Jesus went off with his disciples to the sea to get away. He's like, "Ah, I don't need this. They can plan their stuff. I knew this was coming anyway. Uh, Interesting response. And then, and then Paul tells us in Romans twelve eighteen, he says, if it is possible, look at this, as far as it depends on you, who's the onus on? You and me, right? He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with the people you agree with. I'm doing an old Dr. Carl thing here where I read the wrong thing and Bruce isn't here to go, no. <laughs> he's probably saying it, he's online going, no. Live at peace with everyone. See, we're presenting a radical alternative to anything that the world offers. 
and you will get some resistance, trust me, even from fellow believers, brothers and sisters who love Jesus, who love God, who go to church on Sundays and minister to people and give and do all these things. You're going to face opposition. But here's the thing. This is a message of hope from another kingdom. We've got to tune into that frequency of the kingdom. It's a different frequency than the frequencies of the world that are just, they're all over in the airwaves, so to speak. And it's so easy to tune in, but we need to tune out and get back to kingdom. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And note here that God isn't proclaiming your family status if you do this. I believe it's people declaring it and you owning it because they're like, wow, you look like Jesus. I love this. I say this quite often, but you know, if someone were to ask you, hey, are you a Christian? I think the best response is, I don't know. Watch my life for a little while and you tell me. Because Christian means Christ-like. And I don't think we should go around and say, I'm Christ-like, I'm Christ-like. I want others to go, wow, he's Christ-like. How about you? We want them to see the Jesus that's in us. So number one, withdraw from the situation. Number two, so biggie, be led by Holy Spirit. We can't forget this key right here, folks. Be led by Holy Spirit, not by your emotions, not by indoctrination, not by what you've been fed, be led by Holy Spirit. There's a lot of times that when I choose to go route of Holy Spirit, it's not the route I would have went initially. Does that make sense? So we have to listen to Holy Spirit. The knee-jerk reaction uh, will usually, it will engage us in a debate. And I believe there's times that we can have, you know, debate's kind of one of those words. Well, yeah, especially this year, right? What is a debate? But the idea of debate it's not necessarily bad to have two opposing views and to come together. How many were on the debate team when they were in school? They're like, no, you nerd. I was forced to be on the debate team in speech, so that's why I was. But you know what I noticed? It was really crazy because they would give us a subject, and a lot of times they would try to give you something that you disagreed with to defend. One of the best things that ever happened for me. Because then I had to dig in and find out why it is that these people or these ideas were believed and suddenly I'm like okay now I'm kind of wait a minute here this is uh, so I'm defending something I normally wouldn't but it taught me to be empathetic towards others and to hear the story of others it was a good thing to do so debating isn't necessarily a bad thing but of course it's got a bad taste now because it's not debating it's just arguing and toxic it's just toxic behavior and who can talk over the other one and interrupt the most. Instead of let's hear each other's side and go, oh, I don't really agree with that. Here's what I see in presenting our sides. Does that make sense? But a lot of times we're, we're, this knee-jerk reaction is to be engaged in debate, but most of the time little good becomes of it anyway. A wiser approach is to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I reveal the peace of heaven in this situation? Because most of us are, how can I end up being right? Right? Our goal is to be right. When I believe as followers of Jesus, our goal is to reveal the peace of heaven in this situation. Because the peace of heaven leads to change. It leads to things that no amount of debate and manipulation and convincing can do. This is what distinguishes the sons of God who are walking in the truth of who they are from those who have lost their identity. 
We make peace where the systems of this world makes war. There's a big difference. Proverbs 15, 23, it says, congenial conversation, what a pleasure. The right word at the right time, beautiful. It's, it's us showing love instead of hatred. It's showing grace instead of payback. It's bringing peace instead of conflict. You see, what this world desperately needs is a revelation of the Prince of Peace by those who embrace the gospel of peace. Do you know it's called the gospel of peace? Isn't that interesting to think about? Because at this time, especially in the first century and for thousands of years before, it was all about conflict. Who was right? We're right. Well, how do we know you're right? Because we got the biggest weapons and the biggest armies. So just we're right. I mean, that's just how it's always been done to the world system, right? Religion the same way. We have the biggest temples and the best gods, and so you're going to serve more else. I mean, but that's not what kingdom is. It's the gospel of peace. What would the world look like if we walked out grace? I'm preaching to myself this morning. What would the world look like if we walked out love? What would the face of this planet look like if we walked out peace? The peace that already resides in every one of us. What would it look like? We were never told it would be easy, but we know that it's possible. So look at the son or daughter next to you and say this, peace resides in you. Let it out. See, that's the key thing letting it out. I want to wrap up here with this last scripture, Colossians chapter 3. You receiving anything this morning? Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. I'm telling you, I, I just, I really, my desire, my longing is for you to experience peace, for you to experience freedom. It really is. I'm not up here representing any political party. I'm not up here representing any certain denomination. I believe that I am and you are representatives of the kingdom of heaven. Representatives of the kingdom of God. That you are living, breathing, walking, listen to this, incarnations. God literally is living in you, wanting to live through you. Man, you awaken to that. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? But look at this. Last few scriptures I want to read here. The Apostle Paul really gives us some really good guidelines here. I love how he starts this out in verse 12. He says, you are the people of God. Say, I am the person of God. He says, he loved you and chose you for his own. Isn't that reassuring? So then, because of this, we could say, you must clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Say, ooh. <laughs> How many could say that you've clothed yourself and all those things? I can't. I'll raise both hands. Think about these words, compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion. I love, I love this word in the Greek. It's like literally, it sounds kind of weird, but it's like it was, he was moved at the very center of his being. I mean, just deep, deep within. Actually, the literal is within the bowels. Not a bowel movement. 
but the bowels. Like you ever had that, you know, remember when you first were dating him or her and the butterflies were like so deep, you're like, oh man, I just can't shake this. What if we had that kind of compassion for the world? Jesus did. Look at this kindness. Here's a big one, humility. I hear a lot of people say things that I would even agree with and say, wow, there's truth in that. But there's no humility at all. Very arrogant, condescending. Holy Spirit, help me not to be that way. Gentleness. Mm. Wise as serpents, harmless or as gentle as doves, Jesus said. And look at this, patience. Verse 13, be tolerant with one another. That's a big one. And forgive one another whenever any of you has a complaint against someone else. You must forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. These are, these are hard scriptures, aren't they? 14. And to all these qualities, add love. Look at this, which binds all things together in perfect unity. I just got something here. I was, also, I was about to just kind of like, you know, you just kind of throw stuff out there, say perfect unity, perfect harmony. But think about what harmony is. Is harmony everyone hitting the same note? I mean, think about these wonderful singers up here. And I don't just say that because my wife's one of them. But think about these wonderful singers. You know, when they hit those harmonies on, you're like, ooh, yeah, wow. There's something about harmony. But everyone is singing a different part. Think about this. But it creates harmony. What if it's not that everybody is right or wrong? What if everyone has a different piece of the part? That just came to me, so I don't know. Take it or leave it. So there's a unity, like in music, when they sing, if you were singing the wrong words or you were offbeat, it wouldn't flow. So there's a rhythm and there's a flow that the rhythms of grace, Matthew 11, what, 28, right? The unforced rhythms of grace. Come on, we're going somewhere. I'm creating a whole new theology. Go with me. But it's the rhythms of grace. And as it flows, we each have a different part. And when we do it together in unity, it brings harmony. Come on. I just almost fell out. That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 15 The peace that Christ gives us is to guide you in the decisions you make. Think about that. That's why the peace is there. Guide you in the decisions you make. For it is to this peace that God has called you together in the one body. And I love this last statement. He's like, oh yeah, by the way, and be thankful. (laughs) You can always be thankful in all things, right? I mean, that's what he's saying. I think that's beautiful. So if we learn how to withdraw from situations like both Jesus and the apostles did in many instances, and we learn to hear voice of Holy Spirit in these situations, I really believe that we'll make better decisions and that we'll actually live out the peace that resides within us. Say, doctrine matters. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me navigate these polarizing waters. It's not that we don't believe something or it's not that we don't have an opinion. That's okay. I'm not saying not to have an opinion. But all those opinions and all those ideas 
I think the litmus test should be love. It should be Jesus. And what would Jesus say in this situation? You know, you think about the life of Jesus, and it's helped me so much to, to kind of, in my mind when I'm reading something, recreate, try to put myself in that story. And I think about the many people that Jesus met with who he was in complete disagreement with. Theologically, politically, ideology, ideologically, that's a big word for me, all these different facets of life, but he sat with them. He showed kindness and love. And you know what's cool? I think Jesus knows what's best for each and every one of us. And so whether it was the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, or it was Zacchaeus, or it was Nicodemus meeting him in the, in the dead of night as a religious leader, Whoever these people were in their situations, the woman at the well, oh my gosh, all these stories. You think about it, he met them where they were. He showed kindness. He showed love. He, he, I like what um, Jamie Engelhart says. He didn't call out the sin in them. He called out the son in them. He showed them who they were. And guess what happened? They changed. And Jesus didn't have to rant and rave. He didn't put them down. He didn't look down his nose at them. He didn't condemn them. In fact, he says, I condemn, I judge no one. Freely receive. It's a free gift. Isn't that awesome? I'm saying this because when we begin to see this, we begin to say, wow, so if that's my example, just think on that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for an opportunity that we have to meet together both online and here in the service this morning. I pray that nothing I said was offensive. If it was, I apologize. That's not my intention. I know that any time that we grapple with ideas like this that go outside of our box of, of theology or political party or anything like that, it, just, it can do something to us because things are so ingrained in us that we have knee-jerk reactions. I pray this morning that everyone listening to this and even in the future listening that they would know my heart that it's okay to have an opinion. It's okay to have ideas. It's okay to, you know, run with some things, but, but always let Jesus and love be the litmus test of how we do those things, how we run with those things. And then maybe we'll find that we'll change our mind in areas. That, that word repentance, metanoia, that's an ongoing process in our life. It's not a one-time thing in an altar with one prayer. Repentance is ongoing. Even salvation, like Pastor Kristen said this morning, we're working it out. It's an ongoing thing to those being saved. So I pray that you are ministering healing and wholeness and deliverance and restoration and rescue in these different facets and issues in our lives. That we're learning how to navigate this time that's very polarizing, where everyone feels like they have to take a side. I pray that if anything, we would say, as for me and my house, we will take the side of Jesus and kingdom. That's what we choose. So we will always walk in love. We'll always walk in kindness. We'll always walk in humility. We'll always walk in forgiveness. And in those times where we do slip up, those old habits, those knee-jerk reactions happen, I pray against any condemnation, but I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would show us those areas, and we would say, wow, I just saw this. I didn't see it before. 
Help me, Jesus. Heal that area in my life. Let me see people as people with lives and loves and successes and wins and losses and all these hopes and dreams just like me all over the world. That we're called to be unified in faith, but within that, there's harmony. where We all have a piece of the pie and together it's harmonious to you. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, I'm open to you. Lead me and guide me through this time. I want to be like you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Did you receive that this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.